Chat with Traders is sponsored by Trade the Pool. Are concerns about limited buying power, insufficient capital, or fear of losing your own money preventing you from advancing your trading capabilities? Trade the Pool is an online stock trading prop firm that offers funding for stock traders. Demonstrate your skills, trade their capital, and keep your profits. You can engage in intraday trading and now swing trading on Trade the Pool with any U.S. stock or ETF. The procedure is straightforward. Pay an evaluation fee, successfully complete the evaluation, and get funded. Visit tradethepool.com forward slash chat to learn more. You've seen the headlines. Bonds are making a comeback. But if you've ever tried to invest in bonds, you know what a clunky, complicated, broken experience it can be. That's why at Public, they took fixed income and fixed it. Now you can find, evaluate, and buy thousands of bonds with an investing experience designed this century. Add fixed income to your portfolio with corporate, treasury, and municipal bonds. Go to public.com forward slash bonds podcast to get started. This podcast is sponsored by Public. Full disclosures can be found at public.com forward slash bonds. The biggest secret of the best traders in the world is that they're just like everyone else. However, they've worked hard to learn the markets and discover what works and what doesn't. But how can you hear about these journeys and get in on the strategies and tactics they use? You can do it by listening to Chat with Traders. Here's your host, Aaron Fifield. All right. What's going on, guys? Thanks for listening in. I know I say this nearly every week, but I really mean it. It's great to have you here. So this week, I was thrilled to speak with a well-respected, high energy, and incredibly insightful trader, and who many of you probably already know as the head honcho at Bulls on Wall Street. His name is Kunal Desai. I've been trying to bring him on as a guest for quite some time now, but it's finally happened. So I'm glad to be sharing this with you. If you're unfamiliar with Kunal, I'm going to give you the super condensed intro because we discuss his journey in great detail for the first part of our interview. So Kunal is essentially an intraday momentum trader. He's been trading since his teens and just like many of us, he really struggled for many years going into his 20s. Eventually persuading one of the few profitable traders he knew of to show him the ropes who taught him how to actually work the market like a trader. From there, overall, it's been onwards and upwards. But during our discussion, we cover quite a range of topics. To mention a few that are really interesting, Kunal covers uh, his go-to setups, which he also commonly refers to as slump busters. So that should really prick your uh, interest. We also talk about why it's dead important to master one or two things and understand those really well. I know this is a topic that's come up several times in previous episodes, but it was really interesting to get Kunal's take on this as well. We also discussed some of his rules uh, around risk management and how he applies these to his own trading. We also discuss uh, how to combat FOMO, which is really just a silly word for fear of missing out. But this can be a real issue for traders and has the potential to really mess you up. So that was a really cool topic uh, that we went into quite a bit of detail on. Also, uh, we talk about the reasons why you must have an undeniable passion for trading, as well as trading for the right motivations, both really important. So before we get into this week's interview, I'd just like to mention that over the last few weeks, I reached out to 17 proven traders to ask them, What was the one thing you wish someone would have told you before you ever started trading? So essentially, I asked them to share the single most valuable lesson they've learned to date. From there, I've combined each one of these 17 lessons into an easy to read 28 page guide. It's a free download and you can get your hands on it at chatwithtraders.com forward slash 17 lessons and no spaces, of course. Some of the traders that are featured inside have appeared on the show in the past as well as there's a few traders that have not appeared on the show too. So hopefully you can take something from their most valuable lessons and use it to avoid similar struggles and condense your own learning curve. Again, you can pick that up for free at chatwithtraders.com forward slash 17 lessons. All right, let's get into it. Here is this week's guest, Kunal Desai. 
Hey, Canal, what's going on, man? Hey, Aaron, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. I'm um, pleased to finally get you on. You're hard to get hold of, and I'm glad to have finally locked you in and uh, got you on the show. So thanks so much for coming on. My apologies. I was on a one-month <laughs> hiatus. Yeah. And uh, the email is the last thing I like to do when I'm on hiatus. No doubt. I can't blame you for that. So tell us what's been going on. You've been traveling around. Um, you've just returned from, um, I think it was St. Martin. Tell us about that. How was it, man? Yeah, so I went to uh, the Dominican Republic for two weeks and then uh, Las Torinas and then St. Martin for two weeks. So typically I do, uh, I'm always on the road. So when I have boot camp class, you know, I teach these trading boot camps. Uh, I, I'm at my house in Florida and I'm just working and trading and running our businesses. And as soon as class is done, I take off for a month and I recharge and I just, I'm still trading and teaching and doing stuff. But I do it in a different location. I relax because I don't have the nighttime classes. So I can actually go out. When you have, uh, when you teach live classes, like ours is eight o'clock every night. So, you know, you don't have any social life. Like it's, you know, you're just teaching class all night. So I like to get out and about. I have a good friend of mine, a Cameron Foose from Foose Alerts. He's one of my best friends. So obviously, we're of the same age, and you know, we have, we're in the same business. So. I drag him with me and we go on these trips together. So we've been to Colombia, Costa Rica, St. Martin, Dominican. And after this next boot camp is done, uh, we're going to Spain uh, for a month. Very cool. Nice, nice. So since you like to travel so much, what would you say is probably one of the coolest locations you've ever traded from? Uh, my favorite place to go is Costa Rica. As uh, and it, it's probably similar to a lot of the spots in Australia. Costa Rica is very like a, a rugged place. If you like adventure stuff, surfing, kayaking, jumping off bridges, you know, anything that's wild, uh, Costa Rica is like Jurassic Park. You know, it's <laughs> there's a lot of that type of stuff going on. There's not like the party scene nightlife that you'd get like in Europe, but. If you want to like do some real manly stuff, that's the spot to do it. Very cool. The, the fun stuff, eh? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I've been there the last four times in the last two years. It's uh, one of my favorites. Nice, man. Well, um, let's get this rolling. So let's talk about um, how you got into trading because uh, from what I hear, your parents weren't too hot on the idea of you being a trader. So tell us about that. Um, also, tell us about how you funded your first account because I think that's also an interesting story. So... I'll let you take it away. Sure. So uh, my dad has always um, been trading. My dad is an engineer. Uh, he works at a software company in Michigan. And so he's always dabbled in the stock market. Uh, he's just like, uh, we laugh about now. My dad is like the worst trader in the world. Like he's terrible. Like I remember so many instances as a young man, my dad having margin calls and having to scrounge for money and stuff like that. He was just bad. And, but it was always like in the back of my mind, like, what's he doing all day? And then it happened to be, you know, me graduating high school happened to coincide with this incredible life, world-changing events and timeline of the dot-com boom, you know? And so the world was changing, you know, this new thing, the internet is, right, the new hot thing. And so everybody now at this point is trading internet stocks. So you will see, right, the janitor, the guy at McDonald's, everybody has internet stocks. And so that's like the talk of the town. You know, you can see, you'll see regular people with all of a sudden these new riches. Like they had, E-Trade would have like cafes in New York City where people go to trade, you know. Everybody was a day trader because you just turn on your computer, you buy a bunch of stocks, and the next day you're up a lot of money. And... So I was seeing all these people. So like I had a neighbor, Bob, and he was like the biggest jackass. He really was a jackass. I mean, and also Bob has like a, you know, a BMW with like a Yahoo ticker on it. And I'm like, whoa, like dude, Bob is a jerk. Like, how does he have a BMW? And, you know, we're come from, I come from a very middle class background. So the BMW is like the pinnacle of middle class lifestyle. You know, you get a BMW 3 Series, it means you've made it. So Bob had made it. And so I became very interested in what he was doing. So I started researching all the stocks. And, you know, I couldn't get any info from my dad because, you know, he obviously doesn't want me into this thing that he's caught up in. 
And so I just started on my own, like just like going on and trying to figure all this stuff out. So I read a bunch of books by Warren Buffett. And I'm like, okay, I think I figured this out. And so that was it. Like I, I had to open, you know, an account. And so I had like 500 bucks laying around. And so at that time, you know, there were all these new discount brokerages. So there was one called buy and hold trading where you could open with like 50 bucks and you could never make real time executions. They had three times a day where they would execute your trade. So it's like, you know, the open, the middle of the day and the end of the day. But, you know, you could only uh, it was cheap. And so I opened an account with there and I'd go on uh, MSN Money, which was like the big hot financial site at the time. And I'd always look for ideas, you know, I'd always look for ideas. And so what was his name? Gary Juback. There was a guy with a crazy mustache on MSN Money. I always talk about different small cap stocks. And uh, so I'd always like be reading them and they'd be like, oh, this one is growing and it's cheap and this one's cheap and this one's cheap. And so I just started like throwing a bunch of money around. And because this is the dot com boom, you know, a lot of these picks started to work. And then from there, I got into tech stocks and, you know, you throw the money around and everything works. Like it was like this amazing thing I discovered that I was like, wow, none of my friends know. They're so stupid. They're in class right now. Like I've got this. Why would I want to go to class? And so I would sit there and skip class and I would be trading and my account started to grow. So once my account got to a couple thousand bucks, you know, my dad was like, hey, cool. And so my dad floated me like a thousand bucks. And so now I had enough money to get a margin account. And so then I could really start to trade, you know. And so I started just building it up. And I got lucky a couple times with um, Amazon and a couple other tech stocks, um, the, the networking stocks. And so, you know, all of a sudden now I was over the pattern day trade rule and I could day trade. And I just kept going and going. And I built up some cash and then the dot-com bubble bust and I lost all my money in just a hand, less than a week, basically. You know, when you're holding stocks that are up so much and they all drop 10, 20, 30% in a matter of days, I mean, you're basically wiped out because I didn't really know anything about trading. You know, I was just throwing money at the hot stock of the day or hot stock of the week, but I didn't know anything about trading in terms of risk management, money management, position management, you know, those are really the, the key parts of trading. You know, the stock picking is a, a really a, a very small part of tr trading, in my personal opinion. Um, so I didn't have any trading skills. So I lost all my money. You know, so I actually went through this cycle a couple different times. You know, I took some time off and then I started up again and uh, I built up my account. And I always had a knack for finding the stocks that were about to explode. You know, that was my gift. But, you know, my curse was I didn't know anything about trading. So as soon as I build it up, I'd lose it all. So then the telecom bust happened. And I lost all my money in uh, Global Crossing, Nortel Networks, and Lucid Technologies, which is like the three hot, like kind of networking telecom stocks. And um, they all went to like under a buck. And so, you know, I blew up all my stuff again. And then I had to take some time off. And so I had this spin cycle for quite some time. You know, I wasn't like a, a lot of the hotshot traders you see that like just make a million bucks in their first few years. Like I had years of this up and down like disappointment and that helped me really kind of build um, a lot of the things that make me a really good trader now that resiliency and, you know, stuff like that of being able to handle defeat. I think that was really formative. But at some point I just stopped this spin cycle of losing. And so, you know, at some point later on, and this is like five years after I started, um, when I was starting to really study trading on my own and try to develop myself, because at some point I realized I needed these rules and things that make a trader. Yeah, I met a gentleman online, um, Paul Singh, who's my mentor, who actually works with me now on my website. And I used to leave comments on Paul's blog all the time about all his different setups. And I'd be said, Paul, because he's Indian. And so Indian people love trying to like get free stuff from other Indians. That's what we're all about. You know, Indian people, they live for that. Can I get anything free from another Indian person? So I was trying to get some free stuff from Paul and hoping he'd mentor me because, you know, I'm, a, I'm his brown brother.
and he was not having it at all. And so I just kept leaving comments and he was very nice. He'd, you know, answer back, but he was just not going to give me his secret gift or whatever. So finally I said, Paul, I want you to mentor me. I'm going to pay you. And he said, really? And, you know, he had like a little mentorship program and I was probably one of his first students anyways. And she said, well, okay, let's do it. And it was like this eye-opening thing because I had all these years of knowledge, but I didn't have like a system or methodology to kind of corral my knowledge into, you know, a set system. So I kind of threw everything I knew at Paul and he's like, wow, he's like, you know a lot about the stock market. I'm like, I know, Paul, I've read 1,000 trading books and I've made all these trades. And he's like, yeah, I see that. He goes, your problem is that you don't know anything about trading. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you got all this knowledge. That's great. You have obviously this knack for picking stocks. That is great. But you actually know nothing about trading. And I'm like, yes, I do. I trade every day. And he's like, no, you don't. He goes, Canel, what happens when you're, you know, uh, when you have a profit on a stock and then it reverses on you? What do you do? Like, what's your system for them? Like, I don't know, man. I just do like I do stuff. And then he's like, and Canal, what happens like if you're into this stock and it goes up 20% the next day? Like, what do you do at the open? You wake up and it's up all this money. Like, what, what's your parameters? What are you going to do? I'm like, ah, you know, I'm going to watch this thing and do what I do. And so, like, you know, he asked me all these questions and I didn't really have any set answers for him. He goes, Canal, that is trading. The answers to those questions, that methodology, that is trading. He's like, what you got is just a bunch of random knowledge. You might as well just go on Jeopardy. And so that's where we started was to corral what I had known and put it into a specific method methodology so that like a cookbook, you know, where – when I see something, I know I got to do X, Y, Z, D, you know, and when I see this, I ha I'm going to do one, two, three, four. And when I wake up in the morning, I turn on my computer, I'm going to do one, two, three, four. And we start to systematize my knowledge to take a lot of the thinking out of, uh, you know, the stuff that I don't have to think about and, you know, start building your routines and processes and things of that nature and, you know, that's really how you kind of build a trader. And so that process I use to this day uh, for my students, you know, we, we dumb everything down and we have specific things for every single thing. What do you do when you wake up? You know, what do you do at lunchtime? What do you do at the end of the day? On Sunday nights, how do you review your results from the previous week? You know, everything is down so that the trader can sit there and they know exactly what they're supposed to do. Yeah, excellent. So you would say when you were starting out, probably the biggest thing you struggled with was actually sort of knowing how to manage a trade once you were in it. It's just having the, a specific method, methodology for the different variables that you're hit with as a trader. You know, like how do you size your position? You know, how do you know when to go in big and when to go in small? You know, I used to just buy a thousand shares of everything. You know, so you have to have a very specific routine and process for how you determine how much size you're going to have in a stock, you know? And so that's a, that's a, that's a trading thing. You know, for me, I had very big problems with risk management all these years. I knew how to build up my account, but I didn't know how to keep it when things turned against me because I'd lose one small trade and I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I got to get my money back. And then that would turn into another loss and it would turn into another loss. And now it would take me three months to right, build up, these profits and then you let it unravel in a few days and so right you have like a reverse risk management there it takes it three months of work and it's gone in a couple days well that's not you know that's not very good so those are the things i had to learn and i i, I see it with the majority of the students that i coach you know i have some students they could they they'll win you know they'll trade 50 times they'll win 35 40 of those times but it's those 10 losses that make them losing traders. They're actually down on all their trades overall, even though they have a very good win ratio because they don't know how to handle the loss and get out of it when they're supposed to get out of it, right? They, it snowballs. You, you hit with the deer in the headlights when you finally get a loss, you freeze a little bit, and then you don't have a very specific methodology to kind of get yourself out of that trouble. Yeah, no doubt. So 
When you're still very much learning how to trade, there's always some uncertainty about whether you're going to maybe even make it as a trader. Was there ever a turning point that you experienced when something just sort of started to click and you knew you were onto something good here? Sure. So all traders at some point will have these aha moments. And where that comes from is it's a matter of competence and then having repetitions behind there. So like people always come to me and they say, you know, part of my problem is I lack confidence. Well, confidence comes from competence of actually knowing what you're doing and then having right that practice time and repetitions behind it. And so what I noticed is once I had the knowledge that I actually needed, the right knowledge, I needed a certain amount of screen time, a certain amount of practice time in front of the computer without blowing up my account, where now all of a sudden you have built up the repetitions and you start to have some real competence. All of a sudden, you start to see things a lot more clearly. You know, every, every trader needs that screen time. And the problem that happens with traders is, they usually blow up their accounts or they give up before that requisite screen time that each person needs before they get there. And so a big part of a new trader has to be doing whatever they can to extend their life cycle. You know, so if you have $10,000 or $20,000 or, you know, you have this much emotional capital and financial capital, you cannot deplete it till you get to that magic aha moment. So that takes thousands of repetitions. Now, the thing is you can get those thousands of repetitions in a lot of different ways. It doesn't mean you have to make necessarily a thousands of good trades, but there has to be thousands of uh, specific things that you have to do, whether it's on a simulator, whether it's live, whether you're reviewing your trades or sharing them with somebody else. Those are all different repetitions and you literally need thousands of thousands of that before you get to those aha moments where you start to connect them and you're really seeing things clearly, you know, where you're, it's like a, a small child. You ever see a small child when they're discovering new things, they have this like wonderment in on their faces. Like they're seeing something for the first time. And then, but all of a sudden, right. It's starting to connect. Like when they start to understand something or they get something or they do something right. You ever see that big grin? on their face because it's like, wow, they just saw something and it makes sense. Traders are the same way. You know, you got to think of a trader as like, right, a small child and they're learning something that's very difficult. So you got to have that screen time. And it's uh, sad. It's just most people blow out before they get there. And that comes from, you know, a whole multitude of reasons. And number one, they don't even know they have to get there, right? They, a lot of people just open their accounts they come in and they think they're going to make a million bucks because they see other people do it. And that's not the case. They don't realize how hard it is or the process and road they're going to have to take to get there, which is often difficult. Yeah. So how long would you say it took you to get there? Um, so from going as an unprofitable trader to someone who's now making sort of consistent profits, how long did it take you to get there? Years. It took years. Now, the caveat is this, that I did it by trial and error. I didn't really know what I was doing. So I had years of the trial and error, and that didn't work. But once I met Paul and I was able to put things in very specific systems and methodologies, right, you're having a, a veteran trader pass down his knowledge of what to do, then it took me a year of really doing it the right way before I was like, okay, I can do this for a living. You know, I've had all these years of knowledge before that. I've been working with Paul for this last year and I've really made the inroads. And that took, you know, a good year after I met him to make the move and say, you know what? I, I've got a future in this. So it's it's no small road. It's no small road, but it's worth it. Because you think about it, I don't know how old you are. I started this in my, you know, in my teens. And then if you're even in your early 20s or 30s, People live till they're 80 years old, right? 90 years old. You could be doing this for 50, 60 years. So what is, you know, spending a year or two to really nail this down? And if you think about what a good day trader makes, well, it's no different than a doctor or a lawyer. This is a job. 
So how long does a doctor go to school before he ever makes a dollar? Years. How long does a lawyer go to school before he ever makes a dollar? And think about the time investment they put in. It's years. And so this is no different. It's a profession. It's a job, you know, and it's going to take that type of time. Sure, you can get all the knowledge you need in a handful of months, you know, your basic course knowledge and stuff like that. But you still got to go out and practice it. And then you've got to get your screen time in and start building up your expertise. And those things take time. Yeah, I think you put that, you said that really well. Like it's um, definitely helps to put things in perspective when you think of it that way. Um, So let's talk a little bit about your sort of trading method. So how would you best describe your approach that you've adapted? Sure. So I trade momentum stocks. You know, I'm a trend trader. So throughout my career, you know, I've tried a lot of different things. Yeah, I have tried the Warren Buffett thing, the value investing. That was the first thing I got into when I was a kid. But that didn't work. Why? Well, I can't make, I can't sit on 20% returns a year like Warren Buffett because I only had 500 bucks, (laughs) right? That doesn't work. And even if I had a thousand bucks, it's not going to work, you know, and not to mention you're just kind of sitting around a lot. And I didn't find that wasn't really trading. That's more of an investing thing. But that's just what most people are subjected to when they're new because he's the most famous investor of all time. So then I tried from there. I'm like, oh, I got to get into trading. So I tried growth investing. It didn't really work. You know, I tried this and that. And so I tried all these different methods and none of them suited my personality. And then I started getting into stocks. Like I read a bunch of the books of like the IBD and uh, William O'Neill's, you know, how to make money in stocks, which is more of a trend following um, techniques. And that made sense to me. It vibed with, you know, how I think and how I look at things. And so that's where I started to focus, you know, my attention. And from there, I realized, okay, that's probably that type of trend following system is not going to be my particular thing. So I took the basis of what I liked out of it. And, you know, I started to adapt it into my own. So now I'm a day trader, but I trade momentum stocks, stocks that are in trend and stocks that are in play. And I'll trade anything with momentum or anything that's trending, you know, whether it's long or short. Okay. And is there a difference between, just so we're clear, is there a difference between uh, momentum stocks and stocks that are trending? Yes. So, you know, stocks that are trending, you know, trending stocks are stocks that have been in a trend for, you know, sometimes months to years, so on and so forth, you know. And so I I like to use those for like swing trading. Momentum trading is you will trade anything and it could be a trending stock that's coming out of a pattern on a swing trade basis or it could be a stock that's in play, you know, a stock that has some type of PR out, earnings out and is exhibiting a momentum burst. Okay, so in that case, are there any particular types of news and sort of PR events that you like to trade around in particular? Yeah, so like, for example, when earnings season comes out, you know, earnings breakouts are really the most powerful thing I have seen in trading. You know, when you get a stock and you always have to have a good daily chart, you know, a good daily chart is the absolute necessity because if Without a, a bigger picture pattern, they don't work as well. So you get a really, really good daily chart. And then you get a stock that has some type of earnings surprise. You know, a surprise is always great because what that causes people to do is you have to reevaluate the stock. You know, when it's surprise, a surprise means it's out of left field. So what happens is that stock has to be reevaluated. And there's a rush of people that come into these stocks as they're trying to figure out what it all means, this earnings. And so you get this period of price discovery of people trying to figure out what that earnings mean, what that stock is worth. And so these stocks can make these explosive, explosive moves while all of this is happening. Now, the good thing is when you're trading these type of stocks, because it's got a fundamental catalyst like in earnings, you have this intensive amount of volume that comes in that high relative volume and because it's got that near-term catalyst 
your technical patterns will work much better and much cleaner because you're marrying both. You've got that great daily chart. You've got that earnings surprise. And now the different techniques and tactics that you use to enter stocks intraday will work much cleaner. And you're going to have these stocks, they will move independent to what's going on in the market. So, for example, if you just say you go through your scans tonight, okay, I go through my scans and I find 10 stocks I like for tomorrow just based on technical patterns. Well, those technical patterns may or may not work depending on a lot of what happens with the market, right? The market takes a dump tomorrow. A lot of the stocks that you looked at for longs based on just pure technicals, they're probably going to dump with the market, right? The market takes up or down 75% of stocks with it. That's just always going to be the case. Stocks that are in play that have a PR or earnings breakout, they will have order flow that moves independent to the market because they have that near-term catalyst. And so now, whether the market's up or down, it's chopping around, doesn't matter. Those stocks are going to move, and the chart patterns you trade within them are going to move a lot cleaner, and that makes these things hot. Okay, that's really good. Thanks for really breaking that down for us, Kunal. Are you a developing or seasoned day trader who trades the U.S. markets? Is the only thing stopping you from getting to the next level is having enough capital to trade? Trade the Pool is a unique online stock trading prop firm that funds stock traders worldwide. Not having to risk your own capital can help you focus on other things like making better decisions on your trades. There's no PDT rules to worry about. You got more than 12,000 stocks and ETFs to trade, long or short, and professional tools at your side. How you get funded is you show them your skills through a straightforward evaluation process. Once you pass the evaluation, you get funded and trade with their pool of money and split the profits. Don't let the lack of buying power, capital, or fear of losing your own money prevent you from taking your trading to the next level. Visit tradethepool.com slash chat to learn more. Um, I often hear you speak about having a go-to setup. So maybe run us through what one of your go-to setups might actually look like. You bet. So when I talk about go-to setups, guys, what I mean by this is that in trading, you have this inherent need to have a lot of knowledge. Everybody I run into, they want a lot of knowledge. They want to learn about swing trading, day trading options, futures. They read this book, that book, and it's just this hodgepodge mess of stuff. In trading, being a generalist, you know, having a very solid understanding of a lot of different facets of trading will not make you money. In trading, you have to be the best at something because you are fighting and playing against the smartest people in the world. To be a master of one or two things is a lot more profitable than having knowledge of 20 or 30 things. Now, when you have knowledge of a bunch of things, it makes you feel smart because when you're in a discussion with people, you can talk about anything, right? You got all this knowledge. You're the man. It makes you feel smart. It satisfies your intellectual curiosity, but it doesn't make any money. In trading, you have to be the master of one or two things. And that means that you have to know every single thing about one setup or one pattern, down to the microscopic detail. And when you can do that, at any given moment, when you see that pattern, no matter what market conditions or variables are surrounding it, you know how to extract money out of that thing. And that is very powerful because then when you wake up in the morning, you, you know, if I see this, I can make money. And that's a powerful, that's a powerful thing. It will give you confidence, but it also takes a lot of the thinking out of the trading. See, trading is very emotional. Where people really lose is right the mental mistakes. Well, when you have mastery over something and you down to microscopic detail, it takes a lot of the thinking out of the trade, right? Because you have you, you you've covered all your angles. You know everything about this, and so that's what I believe in having go-to setups. You know, and so over the years, because I've been doing this now a long time, 
I have a lot of setups that I have a mastery over. But for my students, I always have them focus on a couple. And then as they nail those down and make money, let's add more to it. You know, let's add more to it. So for me, like, for example, you know, I've been talking about these PR earnings breakouts, you know, stocks that are in play. So, like, for example, you know, we've been trading this stock PTBI really for the last five, six days, you know. And so the stock was at $3, you know. The stock's been sitting around for $3. Some news comes out one day that it has been, you know, uh, I forgot who, George Soros has made an investment into this company. So the stock gaps up 50% the next day and it to $4.50. And during that day, it runs to $7.50. So this stock has that fundamental catalyst. It had a breakout chart and then it had huge volume come in. And so we're day trading this thing based on you know that big picture thesis and the setup. Now, what will happen is as this stock runs after a few days, if it gets so extended, we'll actually take it and short it the other way. You know, so once it's in play, you know that it has a chance to really have a huge move. And then if that gets too extended, we can take it back the other way and shorten. So, you know, we played this thing long till almost 11 bucks back and forth as it's going. And then once it got really extended, you know, we've been shorting this thing all the way back down and then so on and so forth. A, a stock like this, once it's in play, it may be in play for a few weeks. And so, you know, you keep it on your radar every day. Okay, cool. No, that's, that's really good. So, still on the topic of go-to setups, is this something that you perhaps develop over time? Because I'm thinking like someone who is new to trading and still not making regular profits how are they going to know what is the right go-to setup for them? Or, or like I mentioned, is this something you discover with time? So, I mean, you, if you discover with time, you may, you may not last long enough to actually get there. You know what I mean? Because you may take on too many losses trying to figure it out. It's important when you're starting to start narrowing it down. And so part of, being a trader is understanding your personality and what makes you comfortable, uncomfortable, you know, like for example, in my class, I may teach 30 setups, but some of those setups are not going to fit everybody because they have jobs or they have this, they may not be able to do certain types of things. And certain things just make certain people uncomfortable. Like counter trend trading may fit some people and it makes some people very, very nervous, you know? And so finding out, your risk tolerance, what fits your personality is huge. And then there'll be setups within there that kind of fit that. And, and that's where you want to start honing in because if you trade something that makes you uncomfortable, you're not going to trade it well, right? So that can't be your go-to setup. So obviously you're crossing one off the board. You know, there's going to be stuff that you just naturally vibe with. And that's where your first focus is going to start being because People trade, you know, their personalities. You've got to find a style that fits your personality. You know, I, I'm a momentum person. I'm an excitable person. So trading momentum stocks fits me, you know. For other people, you know, when I talk to some of my students and they're trading these wild, wild stocks and I say, why would you make this mistake or that mistake? They said, man, Canel, the stock was moving so fast I froze. I said, hey. That happens, but this is probably the type of stuff you don't want to trade. We need to find something that's more steady for you. And it doesn't mean you're going to make less money or more money because if you find something that you vibe with, that you can trade, you're going to make money regardless. You know, nothing in trading makes you more money or less money. There's no one setup that makes the most money. It's whatever you trade the best that's going to make you the best money. Yeah, that's very well said. Um, so, bring this back to how you trade. Talk to us about how you protect your capital and your rules around risk management. Uh, you often speak about how you have sort of max daily losses and that type of thing. So, give us some insight into, into how you effectively manage your risk trading. So, that's a great question. So, uh, there's a couple things that happen. 
you know, when I've thought about risk over my, you know, over the years of my life, um, managing your risk, like cutting yourself off. So the common trading theme is if you're not feeling it, walk away. If you're not feeling it, walk away. If you take X amount of losses, walk away. You know, if you're not trading well, walk away. Well, I have this inherent ego of myself that's a, that doesn't allow me to walk away. Like I, I don't have that kind of control. And so for years, I tried to teach myself that type of control, you know, and, and, and rehabilitate myself. But I'm just a wild man. And so it's hard to tame myself in that manner. You know, and also when I do that, it takes away my strength, which is that I'm a wild, aggressive man sometimes. And that's where I get my energy. So rather than trying to, you know, psychologically repair my brain and teach myself to walk away, you know, what I sat there and thought about was, why don't we put in a mechanical structure that just says, hey, when I start exhibiting X, Y, Z behaviors, my platform is shut off. And so, like, for me, I put a max loss on my trading account. So, like, I know, like, okay, if I lose $2,000 in a day, that's not a big deal to me. You know, that's just a, you know, that's a, that's the price you pay to be a trader. You know, and so $3,000, $4,000, whatever it may be. So, if I'm just in my normal mode, for example, you know, my max loss is $2,000. So, what happens as soon as I hit $2,000 in loss, you know, there's basically a countdown for me to liquidate my positions or get under $2,000. And if I stay over, then I just can't trade the rest of the day. Because there's very rarely am I going to go. So I have hard statistics that say when I'm down 2000 and I keep trading, it's just going to go to three. And then it's going to go to four. It just gets worse and worse. Maybe one out of 10 times I'll make the comeback. I'm just that type of trader. So it's better to just cut myself off and come back fresh the next day. And so I put in this type of mechanical loss to keep myself out of trouble because that's how I lost all my accounts when I was a new trader as you know a, a young man, which is I'd build up my account and then I'd lose it all in a few days. So I have that risk management problem, right? I did that for years. I build up my account and I lose it in a few days. So instead, why not say, okay, I have $100,000 or $50,000. I'm going to give myself a max loss. And so if I lose, I'm going to lose one-tenth of, if I max loss, I'm going to lose one-twentieth of my account or one-fiftieth of my account or whatever you want it to be. But that gives you the opportunity to fight another day. And, and that's the name of the game because you're not going to lose 50 days in a row or 30 days in a row. I mean, if you do, you're right, you probably deserve to lose your account. That's not likely for a professional trader. You're going to lose once a week or twice a week and so that once or twice you lose, you want to make sure that it's just a drop in the bucket compared to what your normal profits are. Okay, awesome. So let's say you crush it. You have a good profit on your side within the first few hours of the morning. How do you treat this to ensure you don't wind up donating your gains back to the market? Do you like knock off at lunchtime and cut the day short or what do you do here? How do you play this? So there's a couple different parameters of thought in something like this. Most people will just say, walk away. Just say, just leave for the day. You had a good day, so you don't give it back. I'm not under the belief that that's the case. Because if you're actually seeing the market well, those are the days you want to push it. You want to push it as long as you're seeing the market well and you're not just starting to gamble. You're actually doing good trades. It's not over trading if you're winning, right? It's over trading when you're trading your P&L you're making gamble trades, you're trying to win your money back. But when you're winning and taking sound setups, it ain't over trading if you're winning. So you got to keep going. Now, the problem is at some point, the human brain can only make so many good decisions. What will happen is as you're winning, if you lose once, you may shrug it off. If you lose twice, now all of a sudden you're going to want to get back to where you were. So if you had 5,000 profit and you lost 1,000, it's going to feel like you're losing for the day, even though you're up 4,000 mentally. You're going to want to get back to the five. You're going to sit there and say, oh, my gosh, I'm a good person. I'm not a gambler. If I can just get back to five, I'll stop trading. So there's a, a, what we do is we have a give back rule. So like for me, say I'm at $2,000 in gain. If I give back half my gains, 
I'm automatically cut off. That way I have some leeway to keep pushing it if I'm actually seeing the market well. But if it does turn and I get in that slippery slope of starting to try to make my money back because I had a couple losses, I'm just I'm just out flat when I give back 50%. Right, that makes sense. So let's flip this to sort of the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, let's say you miss a few trades that you intended to get on uh, sort of earlier in the day and they run away from you, you miss out. What's going on in your head when this happens and what conscious decisions are you making to ensure you sort of don't do anything irrational? Because this, this one thing can really sort of mess you up alone. You know, that, that fear of missing out. You're talking about the FOMO. Okay. So I, I, I'm, I'm actually, I do experience FOMO a lot too. And everybody does because if you do your homework every day and you actually miss out on some plays, I mean, I, you feel like crap because, you know, you just did all this homework and you missed the easy play. But you've seen everybody else make money, and you're not making money, and that sucks too. So, like, for me, the fear of missing out is actually more powerful than even taking losses. I don't mind losing 1000 bucks or 2000 bucks, but I hate seeing stocks just explode without me even in them. You know, that's just – that is just – it's a but it's a recipe for disaster. So, you know, we have just a thing that we always see in the chat, chat room. You chase, you die. So when you get FOMO and you just buy, right? I always have the mantra, you chase, you die. You chase, you die. We always just say it. And so you just kind of have to condition yourself. Like you know that if you chase it, you're dead man. Now, the thing that you have to remember with momentum stocks and stocks that explode, they will always give you multiple entries during the day. So just because you missed the first entry doesn't mean anything because that first entry, that first explosion, at least it got it on the radar for you. Now, the secondary plays will often have less risk and be easier to define and have just as much upside. And so you have to condition your brain to understand like, hey, I may have missed it, but that doesn't matter because now it's on my radar. And I'm going to, when I get that low risk, high probability entry, the secondary play can be just as powerful as the first one and the third or fourth ones may be just as powerful too. And if not, like I know with real momentum stocks, when you get the super hot ones, there's always that 1 or 2 p.m. breakout, you know, towards the end of the day too. So I may miss all the ones, all the setups that it has in the morning. But I'll be watching it for that 2 p.m. breakout. So you got to condition your mind. Okay, I miss one. There will be a next one. You know, we always say on to the next one, on to the next one. And, and, and that's so true because that stock will give you more opportunities. The market is a opportunity generating mechanism. It will give you endless amounts of opportunity in the week. You just got to go out and get a few of them. And you've made some serious money. So you miss one, so what? You know, no big deal. On to the next one. Each stock is going to give you multiple entries throughout the day. Yeah, on to the next one. I like it. It's so true as well. Um, this here, I know it's a big one for you, and that is having a true passion for trading. But even more than that, having the right motivations to actually trade in the beginning. Um, but... Do you mind explaining why it is totally crucial to have a passion for trading? And maybe if you could share with us an example of what the right and wrong motivations to trade could be. Sure. So the day I was saying, right, uh, skills are cheap. Passion is priceless. Skills are cheap. Passion is priceless. If you're going to get into anything for the money, there's a good shot that you won't be there at the end to get through the trials and tribulations. To be truly great, there is a cost. As people, we were put here to be great. We were put here to be successful. Everybody has it in them, but it comes at a cost. And so if you don't have the passion for this, you will not be there 
for the ups and downs, the account blowups, the amount of screen time you need to put in, the homework, the barking crazy Indian teacher telling you that you're doing everything wrong, you're not going to be able to withstand that, okay? Because if you don't have the passion, you're going to give up at the first sign of trouble. In trading, in business, in anything, to be the best, there's a long, rocky road. And so you got to have the passion for it because you're just not going to be there if you don't. So I always tell my students, you know, in class, you know, I teach them about not just stocks, but about business and being the best you can, because guess what? It may not be this where you make your money, but there is, everybody has a talent. We were meant to be great. We were meant to be special. Everybody has a talent and you got to go out and find it. Uh, Aaron, you can make a million dollars doing almost anything. Right? People are inventing shit all the time. People are doing stuff all the time. You can make great money doing almost anything, but you have to be one of the best at it. And so the only way you're going to get there is your passion. So don't do trading for the money because if you want to make money, there are millions of things you can do. You got to find out what you're good at, where your passion is, and that's where you're going to make the money. And you're going to enjoy it and be able to actually make it past that rocky road because nobody becomes rich in one or two years. It's a misnomer. People are lying to you when they say it. It takes years and years and years before you really make big, big money. And so how can you do something for that many years if you're miserable? It's probably not going to happen. You know, there's something out there for you and you got to find it and then become the best at it. But to be the best takes a lot of work and it comes at a cost, right? To be great always comes at a cost. You know, you look at somebody like me, I've worked so hard for so long, but you can't date. You can't do stuff. You're going to miss weddings and birthday parties and Friday nights outs and date nights and all of these things because you're in the lab and you're working and you're grinding and you're pushing, and it comes at a cost. Of course, at the end of the day, it's all worth it. But for many of years, right, you're always wondering, like, holy crap, did I just give up all my 20s working? Well, I did, but it was worth it. But it was because I had the passion to do this. I've always wanted to do this. This was my dream. You know, I had a desk job. So while I was, because I was so bad at trading for so many years, you know, I had to get a desk job. And I was working and then I was studying at night and then trading and, and juggling my job and all of this stuff. And this was all I wanted to do. This was my passion. And I was obsessed with it. I had to do it. But I don't think that would have happened if I wanted to right, make money, uh, you, know, it, you know, inventing something or doing something else. I just wouldn't have been able to pull it off because the hours were too long and the cost was too great. Yeah, that's very well said. I appreciate you sort of really going into that canal. From what you've seen teaching others how to trade, what would you say are some of the key characteristic traits that are common amongst the ones who are most successful, uh, sort of beyond the fact that they've obviously got passion for it and they're trading for the right um, motivations? So the thing that I've noticed from the really, really successful students is this the resiliency, the resiliency. So I, I, you know, I, I look at like some of my best traders like Skip Rick and Mary Beth and Chris Zielinski and some of these guys and they're all, and I, because I know them personally, they're all actually a very different levels of intellect in terms of, you know, Chris is like very, very smart analytical. Mary Beth is not like that, but she's very smart uh, with her intuition. She's got a high emotional IQ. Chris has a high IQ. Uh, Skip Rick is just a genius. You know, there's all this different stuff. And so I'm not, I think that the intellect is probably, it doesn't matter. You have to have a base level of intellect to be a trader. But, you know, anything above there is just icing on the cake. It's not needed. You know, the resiliency is what it really comes down to because all of them, when they start, they're going to be really, really excited. So, like, I have a class starting in a couple weeks. There's going to be, whatever, 50 students, 100 students. They're all going to be really, really pumped because they just spent some money. They see me, 
and they're going to think I'm going to take this class and make a bunch of money. Now, what happens is as class starts, I'm telling them how hard it is and I'm giving them all this information. They're going to be like, oh, shit, this is going to be fucking hard. And so now all of a sudden you'll start to see some people drop off once they realize it's not an icing in the cake. Then what's going to happen is you get this subset of people that kind of make it through class. They do their homework, their quizzes, whatever. And they're going to now try to do this live on a simulator. And they're, so they're taking their book knowledge and they're seeing it live for the first time. They're gonna, everybody's a hot mess those first few weeks. Nobody's good because you're, right, you're, you're doing something totally different than going to class at night. They're all going to stink. And so you stink for a few weeks. Do you get better every day or do you kind of get frustrated and give up, right? That's just always a telltale sign. And so then you have that. Then from there, you're going to go live. And so going live trading is completely different than simulating. Simulating will tell you whether you understand trading strategy and can see the patterns. But trading means you have to take that, but then you have the emotional part of, you know, having your hopes and dreams and your hard-earned money on the line. It's a whole different thing. Well, when you start off trading, whether you start off good or bad, at some point, that first trading account, you're going to go into some really dark places, some real big slumps. Everybody goes through it. So how do you handle that? How do you make the comeback? You know, the guys that I've seen, they're very, very resilient. They blow up their accounts. Mary Beth took $10,000, turned it into 50000 She got to 80000 she got stuck in a halt. One of the stocks she was in, she got stuck in a halt. She lost half her account. Then she did some stuff. She lost some whole money. She blew up one of her accounts. So, you know, she was just at the pinnacle. I mean, you know, for a young woman to have so much money and it all be gone is a very difficult thing to stomach because you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I just blew all this money. There's so many emotions that come into play. So what happens, right? Can you pick yourself off the table a lot of people just give up. And so having that resiliency is really, really important. And even on your day-to-day -day basis, you know, we have statistics that we track at our hedge fund that usually when people lose their first two or three trades in the morning, it always is like ends up being an endless cycle. They lose the rest of the day. Very few people can lose in the morning. Like today, I made 5,000 bucks. My first four trades were duds. But I'm a resilient person. I didn't let it shake me. I kept doing the exact same thing that I needed to do, making the right moves and the right decisions, knowing that the numbers would turn out for me in the end. And if they don't, so what? That's where it really comes in is that people will give up before, you know, they really make it. And that's a, it's a sad thing to see. And it happens all the time. You know, some of the people that have so much talent, when they realize how tough it's going to be or they've been knocked down a couple times, they just can't lift themselves off the ground. They think they can, right? Everybody likes to think they can. Everybody thinks of themselves as a winner. Everybody thinks of themselves as a hard worker. Everybody thinks of themselves as tough. But when it really comes down to it, can you actually do it? You find out that very few people are like that. But the ones that make it, they're very resilient because they're all going to go, all traders are going to be faced with either blowing up their account or getting damn well close, and they've got a decision to make. Do I change? Do I get better? Do I reach out for help and make something happen? Or do I give up and stay the same? Do I stay who I am and keep making the same mistakes? You find that most people take the easy road. Yeah, yeah, that's on point. So as traders, I mean, we all know that we are never, ever going to be right all the time, but we need to be mindful not to use that as a cop-out also and actually recognize that we do make bad decisions from time to time. So what are some of the main reasons that you find lead us into making bad decisions? So... That comes from a few different things. You know, I learned this from uh, Dr. Andrew Miniker, uh, who's a trading psychologist. He did some work for some of our students in our classes, some webinars. And he told me something when uh, I, I was talking to him. He said, you know, 
at some point you're going to know everything there is to know about chart patterns and it's going to mean nothing. I said, whoa, 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 what do you mean? Man, that's what I teach. He said, Canal, when you step up to the plate, he's like, you are not trading chart patterns. You are trading your hopes and dreams, right? The stock market can give you that and that's what you're trading. And so when you put it like that, it becomes a very, very difficult thing because you're not just seeing a stock, right? You are seeing your hopes and dreams, your future. People want to take care of their kids and their families and do good things. You know, people are inherently like that. And so when you start trading your hopes and dreams, things can fall apart and it becomes very, very tough. And that's where a lot of people get into a big mess, you know, as traders, Aaron, our biggest advantage against the computers and the funds and everybody is as retail traders, we have the ability and the opportunity to be opportunistic. We only need so many good trades in a week or a day, right? We have the ability to be opportunistic and wait for that perfect moment. We don't always have to be in the market. We don't have to do anything. But when you lose that ability to be opportunistic because you need the market to do something because you got to pay your rent or you got to pay for your kid's thing or you got to do this. As soon as you need the market or the stock to do something and you're forcing yourself on it, then you've lost that ability and opportunity to be opportunistic, to lie in the weeds and, and wait for the right moment. And that's when it all falls apart. You know, that's when it becomes huge. So in the beginning, you know, it, it, if you think you're just going to trade for income, it's going to be too hard, right? It's always best to learn trading while you have your job, because if you're doing this and you got to make your mortgage payment the next day and you need a stock to do something, it's never going to do it. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So, um, Everything we've discussed so far has pretty much been based around what goes on inside of sort of market hours. Let's talk about after hours for a minute because trading can be pretty intense and requires a ton of focus. I mean, especially if you're trading intraday. So I'm keen to know, is there anything you do outside of market hours to sort of recollect yourself, de-stress and make sure you're, you know, good and ready for the following day? Uh, for me, <laughs> I'm always working. So, I mean, this is a 24-7 thing. Uh, as traders, the one thing you probably all have to do, almost every good trader I know is in pretty good shape. You very rarely these days see any fatty traders. So you're going to have to go out and get your pump on. You know, that's for sure. But, you know, after that, it's you're back to the grind. I mean, this is a full-time job. It's no different than anything else. You can only de-stress so much. You know, for me, I make sure... I'm always by the beach. I find that, you know, being by the ocean is probably really good for me. So I live on the beach. I vacation at the beach. Wherever I go, I trade with the view of ocean, beach, you know, so on and so forth. That keeps me in a, a good perspective. Like, holy crap, you know, I've really, I'm a really lucky guy. But, you know, other than that, I'm always on the attack. And, you know, one of the things Aaron always remembered this too for you guys is, Everybody has their own internal problems or whatever, but whoever you are, it will manifest in your trading. So that's what you have to work on. So for example, Eric, if you're an anxious person in general, you're going to be an anxious trader. And if you are a habitually late person, that will show up in your trading. And so all those things that are happening, if you have money problems, girl problems, whatever, those type of things, they manifest in your trading. So oftentimes, if you're finding that you have certain things that keep showing up in your trading, you got to go straight to the root of that and, and, and carve that out before you can really fix what's going on in your trading. So like always remember that when you're thinking about recharging and you're looking at your trade to say, boy, I really fucked up today. You got to go back to the real root of the problem. Very rarely is it because of trading strategy. Everybody knows how to draw a silly flag pattern. I mean, right? Everybody knows what it looks like. Everybody knows what to do. Yet, maybe 1% of people trade them successfully. Yeah, that's such a valid point. So thanks for bringing that up, Kunal. 
And again, this has been awesome and really incredible. So thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate all your answers and going into so much detail. It's been really good. My man, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. No, um, my pleasure. So before you go, do you want to share with listeners where they can connect with you and uh, find out more about Bulls on Wall Street? Uh, you bet. So uh, I'm the CEO, head janitor of bullsonwallstreet.com. Uh, I've had this website since 2008. We run trading boot camps every other month. I have a 60-day class you know, that takes people from A to Z. We have one month of coursework. Then we put our students on simulators, homework, quizzes. We have them do business plans, you know, the works. It's a 360-degree program. Uh, my personal belief after seeing and talking to thousands of traders, you know, over my career, you cannot learn trading from a two-day seminar or some DVDs. You need a mentor, a coach, a community. You know, we put all our students in a community where they work together you need all of that to really give yourself a shot. And even then, trading's a tough thing. You know, the odds are stacked against you because of many of the things that we talked about today. But having that type of program is your best shot to really take in everything you need to, including the support and mentorship that you need. Okay, so that's bullsonwallstreet.com. And you're on Twitter? Yes, Canal00, K-U-N-A-L. Zero, zero. Sweet. All right. We'll put those links in the show notes. And again, Canal, absolute pleasure speaking with you. Take care, man, and let's talk soon. My man. Take care. You've come to the end of this episode of Chat with Traders. But don't worry. More great episodes are on the way. To stay updated with each great new episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. And we'd love it if you leave us a rating and review. We'll see you next time on Chat with Traders. Thank you.